Praise God. Right, so today, um, on the final part or the final episode, yeah, or the final episode of um, avoiding the trap of self pity, avoiding the trap of self pity. Amen. Uh, I think I'm already in Christmas mode. Uh, to be honest, if I had my way today, uh, we would not teach. We will have worship, we've prayed, and we just pack ourselves and go down to uh, the, 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 the venue and eat. Uh, and the venue, I don't want to give a free advertisement. Uh, you know what I know what it's called, but I don't want to give free advertisement. You know what? what you, I don't give free advertisement because um, I'm a business person and um, amen. And some of you very soon you realize that I'm, when I start when I start my marketing agency, amen. Uh -huh. So uh, because when you start connecting a lot of the dots, you mean if Captain could mention this place online, it must be something, amen. So I know the the value and the what I carry, amen. Praise the Lord. So I wish that we could just go down there and just eat and feast, uh, but we're gonna uh, we re receive the word and uh, prepare ourselves for our Christmas lunch this afternoon. Praise the Lord. So avoiding the trap of self pity, part three. Let me quickly do a few. Uh, what do you call? I mean, do a few definitions just to re kind of recap, and then we continue from where we stopped last week. Just bear with me a second for a second. My, my, uh, my notes is acting funny this morning. I'm trying to slow down to, for you to catch up with me. Amen. Praise God. Right. So what is self-pity? Dictionary defines self-pity as excessive or self-absorbed unhappiness over one's own troubles. To feel sorry for oneself, you know, validating one's victimhood in life. You know, when you consider yourself to be helpless and passive in the face of misfortune. It's interesting that in, this, in the world we live today, a lot of people find themselves in this kind of situation, right? It's, it's, it's unavoidable. I think I'll come in. It's unavoidable that we find ourselves in this kind of situation where kind of uh, different challenging things happen. So guys, if things are, if we are distracted a little bit today, you know, we have party in the afternoon, we have our lunch in the afternoon, so we might, we might be coordinating a few things on the background. But I'll try as much, much as possible to ensure that we are coordinated. Amen. So I've been having a lot of conversations this morning as well as we prepare for our lunch this afternoon. Amen. I think next year I be, I'll be able to delegate more to you guys uh, to, to help in that area. Praise God. So I was trying to say that, you know, we live in a broken world and things will happen. We will definitely find ourselves in one or two situations that could be discouraging, depressive, or depressing. And most of the time, in the attempt to grieve, or as we are grieving, we, we could unconsciously get trapped in, in self-pity. I showed us last week uh, the different kind of traps there is there in terms of self-pity. I showed us the week before uh, the story of Mary Kay Ash, the owner of Mary Kay Beauty, who, despite the challenges has been through, she did not allow those circumstances to hold her life down. She went ahead and do what she believes she wants to do, she should do, and she, she was a blessing to a lot of women. If that woman had allowed self-pity in her heart to, uh, to cripple her, she would not have been able to be a blessing to many women, empower them for financial independence to a, to a degree. You know, when I'm, when I'm speaking, I like to, I like to, 
paint a wider picture because every action, every of our action has a ripple effect. An example is the life of David, just, just um, an, 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 in a negative sense. You know, David had, uh, what's called, had an affair, slept with Bathsheba, killed her husband. I don't think he knew it, it was going to take him that far. And we saw the generational consequences of that. Like, like um, the same thing too with, a, with Abraham. The Lord said to this guy, you know, you're going to conceive, you're going to have a child via your wife, Sarah. But he listened to his wife, took the, uh, tried to shortcut the promises of God and tried to fulfill God's plan and purpose with human, uh, human strength or human mind or, you know, carnality in a sense. And we saw the impact, you know. And the impact of, I, I, I can just imagine what the impact is, what was on that slave who had to look after that boy, you know, as a single mother, which was not necessary. Right? So every of our action has a ripple effect. Amen. So talking about Mary Kay, we, we have no clue of how much impact that business has on women, mothers, single mothers. Right? I think when we get to heaven or maybe if we do a lot of uh, internet research, I think we'll find a lot of stories there. So what I'm trying to say here before I get into my message is that your life is so valuable, your life is so meaningful, your life, your li- there's no limit to the impact your life can have on people. I repeat, there's no limit to the impact your life can have on people. I think many of us don't understand that our life carries so much worth. We can't see it. If we can see the worth and value that our life carries, I think we will be able to stand our ground and fight for our life. I mean, I'm on this journey as well. I, I suffered depression for a long time at a certain point in my life when a lot of things started happening to me. And um, some psychological impact of that is still, you know, nug- uh, kind of like niggling at the back of my, behind the scenes of my body and of my brain, right? And in those times, looking at things I could have accomplished, right? I could have been a blessing to a lot of people. Uh, but thank God I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not in that state because it lasted for over two years, right? But imagine I'm in that state. I don't think I'll be a blessing to the people I've been a blessing to since um, we started putting ourselves together to plan this church and many other things. And I can go on and on and on to try to help us to begin to start imagining what value is in our lives. What is my life about? You know, a life you don't value, if you don't see the worth in your life, you waste it. What you don't value, you waste. What you don't value, you misuse. What you don't value, you abuse. I was, I was meditating on the book of Jude. Is it Jude? Jude uh, in, um, I think, two days ago, yesterday. And the, Jude was talking about something about your body, talking about the fact that when, is that a, is, I think it's Jude, yeah, that when we give ourselves to sexual immorality, that we debase the body. And the, the way Jude illustrated it was quite uh, captivating. You know, there was, a more, there was a deeper reality that came to me about the fact that he talked about uh, the story of, um, he made mention of the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and some other kind of thing. But there's something, there's a way he depicted it and made me say that if, I'm give, if I give myself to sexual immorality, anyone giving themselves to sexual immorality do not have a sense of the value and the worth their body carries. The world tells you it's pleasure, but the Bible tells you that it, you don't have a... If you know what your body carries, if you know what that body is about, you won't give sexual immorality. Amen. So I pray that our eyes of understanding will continue to be enlightened for us to see the value and the worth of our life, the possibility in our lives. Amen. So carrying on from there, 
I was talking about the fact that, you know, we live in a broken world. Things happen, un unpleasant circumstances happen, and occasionally or by chance, we might find ourselves uh, encroaching towards the trap of self-pity. Amen. So based on the okay, definition I shared earlier on, earlier on I'll repeat it. Uh, excessive self-absorbed unhappiness over one's troubles, uh, over, over one's troubles. So feeling sorry for yourself validating your victimhood in life, validating that you are a victim, you are helpless. Please get this picture. Get this picture. Many times we, ask, we see ourselves as victims, but we do not see that way. Right? Think about the things that God has told you, things that God wants to do through you. Think about the people that surround you who are doing great things. Why are you not stepping up to do what God has called you to do? To, to a large extent, and, you, and if you are seeing yourself as helpless, there's no hope for you, you see yourself as a victim of life. But the Bible says that you are more than conqueror through Christ who loved you. So many of us seem to be uh, obsessed with our emotions, so focused and engrossed in our emotions that we are, we, we are not able to see the possibility of what our life can deliver, what our life can produce. And this is the bondage that God wants us to break from. He wants to, he wants to deliver us from the bondage of victim, of self-pity. Now, do those things happen to you, those unfortunate circumstances? Did they happen to you? Yes. Are they bad? Yes. Were they, are they discouraging? Yes. Are they depressive? Yet? Yes. But the Bible is saying to you that don't make that place your home. Don't make that emotion, that depression, don't make it your home home because that is not where God wants you to live. We read this Bible verses, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. We want to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. We want to dwell in the presence of the Lord. We want to dwell in the promises of God, not in depression, not in victimhood, not in unfortunate circumstances, not in help, sense of helplessness. It does not help. Amen. Because self-pity and victimhood is a trap. Please avail yourself to my message last week to see, to, to hear much more about that. I was watching the message yesterday. I stood down right in front of me there and I couldn't move. I was there all through. When I, when the, after watching that one and the part one came up, I started saying, you know what, I'm going to stand here on this spot for another 45 minutes, so I better move now. Amen. Because I was so heavily blessed. I mean, things were coming to me and I was evaluating my life based on my teachings. Praise God. God wants us to be free from victimhood, uh, from victimhood and self-pity. I'm going to touch about some, I'm going to quickly touch on some personal things before I go into things I have in my notes. Amen. You know, one of the key things you need to understand about victimhood, in that sense, is that it paralyzes you. It makes you inactive. There's a way it paralyzes. And do not, do not try to underestimate the paralysis that self-pity brings to one's life. Do not underestimate it. When you stay in that state of, I am helpless, I can't help myself, what can I do? and you, you just leave there. Don't underestimate how, how destructive that mental state is. Trust me, if you stay in that state for too long, for 10 years, you may not fully recover. I'm telling you the truth. I have personal experience and I know what I'm talking about. It will sap every life, every joy, every value out of you. It will drain every good thing out of emotional life. Someone said emotion is the spice of life. If you are depressed, if you are, emotional, if you are emotionally down, you cannot be as active, as productive as you'd be. Hence, so we got to be super, super careful 
the emotional state we keep ourselves in. We have to be super, super careful. I hear all sorts of things that some therapists and some organizations teach people in terms of feeling your feelings. Now, you, it is good to feel something sometimes for you to feel the pain, for you to know it's painful. But if you live in that feeling and your body and your brain get adapted to it, you are in for a, you are in for a, for a shock, a rude awakening, a rude shock. I know what I'm talking about. I, I have personal experience. I've read blogs, articles. I've listened to people's um, experience, teaching, experiments, scientific, scientific research and things like that. And I can tell you, I have personal experience. This self-pity and victimhood thing will paralyze you. It will paralyze your brain. And it will open you up to all that kind of sicknesses and diseases. Stress. Bear in mind, your body is not designed to handle toxic stress. I know what I'm talking about. I've been on examination where they found a lot of toxic stress in my body. And it was affecting my digestive system, affected my sight, affected my head. It it's affected my entire being. And that's why I said, and you know, the Lord was speaking to me this morning about someone, about a family that I need to, I'm cutting off from. And he said to me that, you're not, you're not living in offense towards these people. You're not resenting them. But the truth is this, you can't trust them and it's not safe to be around those people. And I was like, Lord, that's, that's actually good. You can't trust them and it's, it's, not, it's not safe to be around those people. So the Lord was ministering to my heart. I don't want you to have any form of resentment towards those people. Yeah, you got to be careful with those people. But the truth is that the reason why you get to stay away from those people is because you can't trust them. Based on everything they have done for over 10 years, you cannot trust them and it's not safe to be around them. And that consoled me because a lot of people have brought a lot of pain into my life. And human beings will continue to be human beings. And I'm thinking that I'm just really beginning to learn how to deal with people, how to understand people. Amen. Unfortunately, not knowing what I'm sharing right now, I stayed in that sense of victimhood and it literally wanted to eliminate and destroy all of my potentials. I was saying to someone one day, I said, you, 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 actually, you actually have not met me. Even though I've met this person for three years, I said, you have not met me. You don't know me. You don't know me. I said, if you knew me, uh, but I didn't go into details. I said, but watch. As I begin to, you know, get myself together, you will see, the, you, you will know the kind of person I am. People think I'm optimistic. People think I'm energetic. People think I'm, I'm driven. No. What I am right now is not even up to 10% of the capacity. <laughs> Everyone will say. So I haven't seen how self-pity and victimhood literally wanted to ruin my life and destroy me, incapacitated me, so many ways, financially, emotionally, married, every area of my life, then I took it, I've taken upon myself to ensure that I stand my ground, I fight off anything that wants to bring depression into my life, including people, and most especially people. In love, I'm not going to be shouting and fighting people, but I'm telling you, I'm going to stand my ground. If anyone's going to come around and try to spew nonsense, death, when I say death, depression, condemnation on me, I'm going to avoid them. Because I must, and this is a word to everyone, this is a kind of family conversation this morning. And everyone needs to bear in mind, you need to be, you need to be realistic with yourself. Where are you actually in your life? Not what people, people perceive of you. Where are you? Where are you? Are you really happy with yourself? Are you full of joy? Where are you? The brokenness in your life, are they still there or not? 
man, where are you in your life? So if you know there's a, there's a particular relationship that is destroying you, making you feel less of who you are, making you worse than what you used to be. I know husband and wife relationship is a sensitive one, but I can tell you, I will, I will tell you one truth. There's some husband and wife relationship that is very toxic that I will strongly recommend that they separate. And I know what I'm talking about. I will strongly recommend they separate. Because when you have a manipulative spouse, a toxic and evil demonic spouse, <laughs> they will ruin you. You know, the, the victim, right? The victim may actually commit suicide. Friends, I've been in, I've been, I've been in life for, for, for a while and I've dealt with people to a large extent. So there are things I teach about marriage that are not conventional teaching, right? Which some people will kick against, but they are problem. I've had churches say things like if a, if a, if a lady get, if someone divorces their husband, they will go to hell. That's one of the most stupid things I've ever heard a Christian say in my life. One of the most stupid things a Christian can say is that a person will go to hell if they divorce. Was it marriage that secured the salvation for them in the first place? I've seen people die living with a man who is or a woman who is, who is abusive, toxic, and violent. Is that God's plan and purpose for that person that they die in the hands of a lunatic? Amen. So talking about being in an environment or relationship with people who are toxic and wicked, you have to be willing and ready to remove yourself from that situation because how long do you want them to continue to destroy you? All, everything I'm saying, I'm, I'm speaking from my heart. I'm going to go to my notes. I'm going to run through a few things. How long do you want them to continue to destroy you, to ruin your life? How long? For how long? It shows them something not right in, our, in the way we process or we see people. I'm going to repeat something. You did not come from your parent. You came through your parent. I repeat, you did not come from your parents. Your parents are not your source. You came through your parent. Amen. If your parent, if your parents were your source in the sense of giving you life and to sustain you all through, then you are tied to them. But if you have to grow up and be responsible for your life, it tells you that you came through your parent. So once you become an adult, if your parents become compromised, what I mean by compromise is this: they start wronging with the wrong folk, or some brokenness in their life begin to come to the surface. Right, and you become an adult, you are responsible for shielding and protecting yourself in a honorable way, not in a way that would respect them. The Bible says that we should repay our parents for their goodness and kindness towards us. Amen. This is Christianity 201. It's not, it's no longer 101. This is, this is actually living the Christian life, dealing with real Christianity. Amen. Praise the Lord. So let's bear that in mind, and let me move into my notes now. Uh, as I feel sp sp led in my spirit, I'm going to call a few things out. What I've been calling out are things from my spirit. Now let me get back into my note. Amen. So today I want to look, I want to give four antidotes to avoiding the trap of self-pity. Of yeah, permit my title, whichever way I title it. What I'm actually trying to say is I'm trying to give you some solutions um, so that you don't get into self-pity. Praise the Lord. Right. So... Let's look at where I stopped last week. Okay, I titled it Antidote to Self-Pity. That's fine. So I, I've covered a few things I actually wanted to cover today. So I said, uh, how, so where I'm taking it from is how self-pitying people see themselves. 
how self-pitying people see themselves. I am helpless and I cannot heal. My life is out of control. I, uh, okay, let me slow down. I know you guys are taking note. I am helpless. I cannot heal. My life is out of control. I cannot build boundaries with people who are hurting me. I have no free will. I cannot become strong in my life. <laughs> if at least two of those expressions describes how you see yourself, then you are actually in the domain of self-pity. If at least two of those things I've listed out, even one, is how you see yourself and how you live your daily life, you are living in the habitation of self-pity. I'll take them again. Helpless, cannot heal, out of con life is out of control, cannot build boundaries with people who are hurting me, I have no free will, I cannot become strong in my life. Are you a zombie? Are you a zombie or a puppet that is being controlled or have to be controlled by things? You are not. A verse of the Bible says, in Psalm chapter 8, it says, Who is man that you, are mi that you are mindful of him? A son of man that you care so much about him. Though talking about Jesus, but bear in mind that you are joint heads with Christ. He said, You have made him a little lower than the angels for the sake of death. Amen. Made him a little lower uh, uh, than the angels for the sake of death. He said, You have put everything under his control. The Bible says the heart is the Lord and the fullness thereof. But the Bible makes us to understand that God has made us stewards over the resource, natural resources, the health resources. God has so much, God sees so much power or has put so much power and abilities in human beings that we can think or imagine. The fact that people treat you like a piece of trash does not mean you are one. People will treat you like trash because they are trashy in their mind. Aha, uh -huh, get it straight. People would treat you like trash are trashy in their mind. It's a reflection of the value system they have, not a reflection of the value you have. Now, this thing is kind of easy and exciting to preach and to teach, but to actually face it is not that easy. Because when people you love the most, in a sense, treat you like you don't matter, it hits you. It destroys you. It incapacitates you. Praise the Lord. It incapacitates you. I mean, it puts you in a very bad place. And that's why I said in one of my, one of my podcasts, as a parent, you got to be very careful how you treat your kids because the world is full of broken people and the world by their natural estimation, if anything does not meet their, their, their estimation of value, they trash in a very much, to a very much extent or they reject or they stay away from. So the world by default, because none of us is perfect, at some point, depending on the kind of group we belong to or we associate with, we would want to reject your kids. So if the world rejects your kids to a certain extent and you are also rejecting them at home, you are complicating the problem. So if there's any way a child should find validation and acceptance, they should find it much more in their home with their parents. Amen. Why self-pity is bad for you? Moving on. If it's, if it's stuffy, if it's hot, let us know so that we turn on the air condition or we, we hope we, we, we go out and, and hold the service in the, in the nice weather. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, uh, did somebody say, we can go, we should, do, we should go hold a meeting in, in, in the winter. Yeah, in, no, it's not winter. Yeah, it's about, what, what's the temperature today? 10? It's 10 degrees today. Actually, that, that's, a, that's a summer, isn't it? You can just, yeah, just remove your, your amen, but just show you stick clothes, praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> what I mean is I don't remove your shirt because it's hot today, praise the Lord. 
Uh, why self-pity is bad for you? I've covered a few items. I'm just going to go through my list and um, please take note. Uh, it paralyzes you to inaction. It incapacitates you. You can't act. You, you can't act. You won't act. You won't respond when you're supposed to respond. So paralyze you to inaction. It leads to self-destructive behaviors. Self-destructive behaviors such as substance abuse, manipulated behavior, sexual immorality. Because what happens is this. We know that we're surrounded by negativity in this world. Most of the things you see on a daily basis are more negative than you see the positive. And naturally, because we, we, our body is a, is a corrupt body in a sense because of sin, and what I mean is that we, this body is aging because it's subject to corruption and we will not live forever in this human body, this decayed body, this fallen body in a sense. So this, our body naturally will gravitate towards negative things because our subconscious mind to a very much extent yeah permit me to use those terms i'm gonna just lose it, use them loosely because i can't go into too much details but what i'm trying to say is that naturally we are we are drawn to negative naturally because of the fallen nature of man we are naturally driven to negative news and that's why negative news sells so if you see yourself to be helpless or you see yourself as a victim you know what happens you will be drawn you would naturally be drawn to negative things. And so if you see yourself to be help, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm correct. So if you see yourself as a victim, right, you will naturally be drawn to negative things that you're supposed to stand against. Now, because we are naturally drawn to negative things is the reason why we need to learn to be empowered, stand our ground so that we can reject and resist negative forces. So negative forces will always kind of come around you. Don't forget I said we live in the fallen world. Negative things will want to encroach on you and you have your, your one of your best buddies. Not your best buddies in the good, but, but I'm talking about the devil, right? So it's the best body when it comes to negativity. So if you're a person who is given to negativity, given to all kind of negative things, right? Your best buddy, which is the devil, which is the author and the orchestrator of evil, will always bring his guys around you and they will feed you. They will feed you more. Amen. They will feed you more self, more negative things, and more. And some of the things they will be feeding you are around substance abuse, manipulative behavior, sexual immorality. They will not feed your mind with anything good or healthy that can help your life. Am I speaking to a believing child this morning? Praise the Lord. So self pity and this sense of victimhood is more destructive than you think. And the fact that the person looks exciting and they are always shouting, they are always excited, does not mean they are not living in self pity. Because what people show you to a very much extent on the surface, most of the time, does not reflect the real state of their mind and their soul. And I'm also talking to each one of us. Where are we emotionally? I asked us that question earlier on. Where are we? Are you truly and sincerely happy and joyful? Or you are hateful, angry, bitter in your soul. Let's try to be very serious and be very realistic with ourselves. And, and you know, do a thorough self-evaluation, self-examination. Let's understand where we are and go get help where we need to get help. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Yeah, so uh, what self-pity, why self-pity is bad for you? I'll take it again. Paralyze you to inaction. Leads to self-destructive behaviors. Obsessions over other people. Obsessions over other people. Obsessive thoughts about a person. You know, inability to accept rejection from a person. Feeling possessive about people or a person. 
Now, if you find, which this is just one of the symptoms or the impact of self-pity, right? Obsession. You know, when a person feels helpless, needful, and uh, uh, <laughs> helpless, <laughs> needful, and they, have, they maintain a sense of vict- a victimhood. <laughs> it's, it's, it's horrible what I've seen in the life of people. So if, if a particular person seems to give them what they want, or, right, or they tend to like a particular person, so to say, they want to control that person. They are possessive of that person. They are obsessed of that person. So if that, they, they don't allow that person to live the life they are supposed to live. Self-pity is a demonic thing. You know, they want to, they, they, they live and they breed their death. Now, and I'm not trying to speak negative or speak, talk down about people who are living wallowing in self-pity. I'm just trying to show you what it does to people and what they can do to you if you go in that direction. People who think they are a victim of life. And I've had many cases which time will not allow me to go into into, into detail so to, to share real life stories of people who are actually living here where they have some demonic obsession over people. So when someone seems to be obsessive, you got to be careful because you don't know how deep the issues are in their heart. People will go any extent. I've seen people murder people they are obsessive about. Over. Yeah, yeah murder people. Yeah, yeah. You know, after boyfriends, girlfriends, relationships, things don't go well. You know, if a lady or boy says to you, I can't do without you, I can't, I can't stop thinking about you, there's a problem, you better run. Yes. If a boy or a girl says, I can't stop thinking about you, you know, I can't, it's a lie. You better run. Something is not right. Something is broken in them. Someone who is in their right mental faculty should be able to stop thinking about you or should even think of how to help your life. Because when they say they can't stop thinking about you, onto what? To be around you. You cuddle together on the sofa or on the couch, and you guys stay there. You guys are gonna get you guys are gonna go broke and poor. Because somebody needs to walk, go out and walk and make some things happen. I can't just stop thinking about him. How many of those relationships end well? Many of them don't. It's true. Many of them don't. Because people will say that I can't stop thinking about you, who are possessive and obsessive about other people. Such people want to. Such people will be will control and they will live a parasitic relationship. They will, they will they will they will lead a parasitic relationship with the other party. They use other party, and it's coming from a broken state of their heart. Praise the Lord. Self pity is a grave that no one should live in. Even though the world sometimes glamorizes it to say, you know, we know how you're feeling, you know, you know, and they want to sympathize with you. Amen. Praise the Lord. I can go on and on about that one, but this is, I'm just calling this out because that one alone is a, is a sermon on its own. Now, why self-pity is bad for you? You hinder the advancement of God's kingdom. Because when you occupy a state of helplessness, how can you be useful in God's kingdom to advance the cause of the gospel? Even if you are in a church or you are part of a Christian group, you will be siphoning energy out of the people. You will not be given because you maintain a state of victimhood, of helplessness. And everybody will have to pour attention on you and look after you. Or anything that comes out of you will be negative. I guarantee you. 
Many people are in self-pity today, not by or not of their own volition, so to say, it's because life happened to them. But I'm bringing to you strength this morning that you can stand your ground. You can recover your life in the name of Jesus. Praise God. So as I, like I said earlier also, that you are open to demonic manipulations. Praise the Lord. Should we pity people? No, we shouldn't because when we pity people, we, we reinforce the message of victimhood. So this is why we must not pity people. People don't like it when I don't pity them, but they don't know that I'm actually, I'm actually helping them. Don't pity people. Don't validate their state of victimhood. You can empathize with them, say things like, you know, I understand where you are, I understand you've been through certain challenges, but ensure that every support you give to people is to lift them, lift them up. People who want to stay in that state of victimhood will not like the support you are, you are giving them. And don't take offense, just leave them alone, pray for them, because they will drag you into what? Into their own state. Because you cannot keep going down forever. You need, you need somebody to also lift you up. So if you are surrounded with people who wallow in self-pity, you are in the wrong company. Amen. Praise the Lord. So when we pity people, we don't lift them up or empower them. God wants to heal people. God wants to empower people. So please don't allow, don't pity people. Help people. Empathize with people. You know, support people, be there for people, but don't pity them. Don't, 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 don't validate their sense of victimhood. Don't say, you know, I understand you're, you're supposed to be like this. You know, you, you have every reason to be like this. You have every reason to, to stay here. You have every reason. I understand you have every reason to be alcoholic. You have every reason to, to be nasty towards your kids because of what your dad did to you. The devil is speaking to you. In, you are becoming the voice of the devil to them. Amen. I don't, I don't like to pity people, but I listen to people. My church family members can tell you that I listen to people, I love people, but I ain't going to sit down with you. I'm going to be soaking up. Not that we don't feel bad, we don't feel down, but we don't stay there. Amen. So don't pity people. When you pity people, you communicate you're a victim. You can never heal. You are very pathetic. <laughs> You can't take responsibility for your life. So when we are pitying people, we are not helping them. We are only worsening the condition or situation of the people. The categories of people that we, sometimes we pity that we do not, we've not, some of us are not conscious of, uh, you know, people of ethnic minority, which in the UK, for instance, which I'm one of it, and I've, I've come across at least a pastor who tried to pity me one day and I had to stop it. You know, so I understand, you know, it was around the Black, Black Lives Matter uh, saga then. And the pastor in a meeting with men, he said, you know what, Sunday, I understand, you know, it must, must be a very hard time for you guys now because this and that, that and that and that. And, as, and, and as I was saying it, I realized that my heart I was going down. I like, and I had to respond. I said, I understand what is going on right now. At the same time, I, and I can't remember, but I spoke from my spirit and I gave him a word and it changed the mood of the entire place. Don't pity me. Is there hostility against the black skin? Yes. Even in, even in certain, even in, in the same nation, in certain nations, the white color there, right, they are hostile against the black. This is not just because I'm immigrant. I'm talking about people of the same origin. So 
we have so maybe the racism issue the racism issue in the UK is uh the the native British which most of the time which or most of them are white and the immigrant or children from two different uh inter what do they call them biracial kind of stuff right but the natural British the natural English they are naturally white amen so, but in certain countries like India, for instance, and, that's, and I'm speaking about this because I've actually met a number of Indians, but actually in India, I don't know much about the whole of Indians, but I've met a few Indian people who, because they are black Indians, the white Indians or the light-skinned Indians are hostile towards them. So I'm trying to say that there's something about the black color that some people have some, some they're just stupid about. Right? I'm actually wanted, I actually wanted to be unkind. That's why I use the word stupid. They're just actually stupid. Their head is not correct. Because you, 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 you judge a person by their color. You devalue a person because their skin color is different from yours. People are not thinking. Amen. So people of ethnic minority might be pitied, but don't allow people to pity you. And sometimes when people are pitying you, you don't you actually know they are pitying you. And that's why I like to be hired to do a job based on my qualification and ability to do the job, not because I'm black. Don't give me, Pastor Dwayne calls it um, social... I can't remember how I put it. Uh, something like that. So don't, don't give me a charitable job. Uh, guys, I'm in a hurry. That's why I'm kind of rushing a little bit this morning. I want to smash this today. Next week, we're having a family Christmas uh, service. Amen. I don't want people to give me, so, give me a job because, because they pity me. Because, you know, what? we just need to have a black person. You know, we know they are going through a rough time. No. Look at my CV. Speak to me. Can I do the job? Yes, let me do it. Because the truth is this. If you are given a job because, uh, as, <laughs> from a place of pity... They will surround you without pitting the workplace. They don't even expect much from you because, and they will give you some kind of positions like, you know, um, advocate for minority and all kinds of things. Guys, I deal with people. I know how people think to a very much extent. Some things that are pride to some black people in the workplace. I'm sorry, I, I have to talk up. You have to be open and vocal about this. Some job titles and positions that they put give some black people in the workplace, look, you know, the advocate or the senior or the leader of interracial kind of thing, is from yourself pity. Of all the positions in the workplace, of all the great positions in the workplace, what they give you is an advocate for inter-minority inter and kind of stuff, and you, you put it on LinkedIn. No. No, I'm not the CMO. Why not the CEO? I'm just being honest with us this morning. So I don't take jobs that are ethnic minority focused. When you understand, you know, your people have been this. No, no, don't pity us. Human beings are human beings. Human beings will forever be human beings. Right. Praise the Lord. There's more to it, but I have to carry on. So homeless people, people in unfortunate financial situation, trauma victims, Widowers, <laughs> divorced. I wait for the last one. Are you ready? Singles, single people. Isn't it pathetic that some single people feel pity for themselves? Oh, I'm thirty. I'm not married. God, when will you answer me? Seriously. Question number one: Was Jesus married? Question number two: Was Apostle Paul married? And these guys did fantastic job. They fulfilled their purpose. The society and sometimes culture make people think that 
you know, their life does not carry much worth because they are not married. If you are still single and you're watching and listening to me, can I be very honest with you? Fasten your seatbelt. I'm about to say something. Fasten, fasten your seatbelt. Fasten it, fasten it. Are you done? Life will not be easier for you when you get married. <laughs> no, it's not your cross. I'm just telling you. Write it. I said, life will not be easier for you when you get married. I'm not crossing. I'm just telling you the truth. You can still jump on the plane tomorrow morning, right? To go to Dubai or something to get something done. Wait till you get married. Because my wife cannot jump on the plane. I'm not hostile towards my wife. You're going to meet my wife in secret. You know that I'm a very nice guy. My wife cannot jump on the plane tomorrow morning and say she's going to Dubai. I say, sister, come. Let's talk now. You know, we'll talk about the kids. We'll talk about other things. So when you are going, how, how long are you going for? Are you going for? Wait, where are you staying? So when are you coming back? Who is dropping you off at the airport? And all kind of stuff. So to think that when you get married, it will solve your whole problem. No, when you get married, just forget, just forget about your freedom and liberty. Because in marriage, we don't live for ourselves. We live for other people to be a blessing to them. We work together with people. And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to encourage singlehood, that people remain single and they don't take responsibility you know, get married and be a blessing, raise kids. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just trying to say that the fact that you're single doesn't mean that you are a victim. And I've met several people who want me to pity single mothers. Pity single Why? No, let me empower you so that you can live life to the fullest. Let me empower you so that you have the resources and the tools to, to raise your kids. I am called to empower people, not to make people feel like they're victim and pity. And that's why I will not hold any meeting or hold any program that will put people in this place of pity or make them feel unfortunate. No, you are not unfortunate. The situation may be unfortunate. Most of the time it's unfortunate, but you are not an unfortunate person. You are blessed by God. Praise the Lord. So singles ought not to be pitied. And church, pa churches, pastors, church members, please do not pity single people. When you see a single person, celebrate them. Come on, say, you know, you guys have the best time in your life. Come on, maximize it, enjoy it. There's more, but I can't, I can't go for too far. So, now to the antidote. So, I was going to give four, right? Okay. So, mm, I think I'm going to break the one down to... So, permit me, this is going to be a bit tacky here because I have more. But let me, let me give you some very key ones because I'm out of time. Number one, remove yourself from the company of people who reinforces the message of victimhood in your mind. Remove yourself from your pity ass. Antidote number one, remove yourself from, from your pity ass. People who pity you. If you don't remove yourself or manage relationship to marry, manage the relationship. You're going nowhere. You remain in that, thank you, Holy Spirit. You remain in that situation. What just came to my spirit right now is that some people who pity you, they're actually pitying you because they want, you, they, want to, they want to keep you in that position. That is from the Holy Spirit. Some people are pitying you because they want to keep you in that position. But God does not want you to remain in that position. And the Lord is speaking to you this morning. The ones that you can separate from, separate yourself from them. If they're your spouse, you have to manage your relationship in the sense that you mind what you tell them. You mind what you, you, you mind the kind of advice you try to get from them. God will give you wisdom in the name of Jesus. And if you need more help, seek help. Now, the, the, this, the next part is very important. 
So recognize the feelings when it is coming. So which means we need to learn to recognize the feelings of pity, the feelings of self, um, how to put it, sorry for oneself. We need to train ourselves to know or to recognize when the feeling is coming. Because we, let me help you a little, a little bit practically. Let's say somebody, let's assume someone went into a kind of depressive state from 2 o'clock, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Right. When they're out of that emotional down state, if they want to be able to learn to recognize those feelings when they're coming, is to ask yourself questions like, what was I thinking? What's that, what's, what was I thinking before I got into that state? What triggered me? What happened? So which means to overcome self-pity, you can't be careless. You need to be able to recognize how those emotions are triggered and how they trickled into you and how you held on to them. Amen. So you got to be self-aware, they call it. So you have to be able to recognize the feelings when it is coming. And um, the next point is to create a strategy to interrupt it. One, remove yourself from the sources of self-pity. Secondly, recognize the feelings when it's coming. Third, create a strategy to interrupt it. So say, for instance, a thought of how your, you know, God forbid, your, your husband used to beat you up when you were married and things like that. You know, comes to your mind and uh, you realize that you didn't do much with your life or you have some scars on you and stuff like that. You know, if that is an example of those kind of thoughts, which is one of the extreme ones, what are you, when that feeling of thought comes, what are you going to say? How are you going to reposition your body, yourself, so that you don't hold on to that thought? You don't dwell on it. You come out of it. Because over time, if this applies to anyone, and whatever situation it is in your life, over time you realize that once you go into it, it's difficult to come out. So shouldn't we train ourselves to figure out by the help of the Holy Ghost how to tackle it, stop it. Friends, you can stop negative thoughts before they hold you. You can. I've done it several times. I still do it. You can. We need to train our body not to enjoy, enjoy that feeling, enjoy that place. Most of the time, we don't see it as we are trying to enjoy it, but it gets to the point that our body is used to it. And it's a place, it becomes a fortress, a stronghold, the place we go in to hide, the place we go, the place we go to validate our victimhood. But if we know that this thing destroys us based on the things I've been sharing, right, then we, I think we need to do the work to say, you know what, these are the negative thoughts that come to my mind. These are the memories of unpleasant feelings, that, unpleasant circumstances, unfortunate circumstances that come to my mind. And this is what they do to me. Friends, I, I'm, 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 guys, you got to take this very seriously. Take this very, very seriously. I know what I'm talking about. Take this very, very seriously. You got to sit down and do the work. You cannot continue to coast in life. You cannot, you cannot continue to be passive in life. You got to get to the point whereby you take your life seriously. Your life has worth and value. So what are the negative thoughts or negative, excuse me, negative memories of unpleasant um, experiences and unfortunate circumstances that has plagued your mind for long and put you in a place of incapacitation that is, makes you inactive, dulls your brain, affects your health, slips you into depression, affects your digestive system, affects your cognitive system, 
your nervous system, your cognitive, your cognitive, your mind, that's what I mean. What are those thoughts that take you in there? List them. Make a list of them. Prayerfully ask God, how do I should I tackle this? Find the opposite words. So the Bible, okay, I don't want, if I go into that one, I'll, I'll, I need another 10 minutes. So if you need more counsel or more guidance on that one, please reach out to me. But you go find out from the Bible or read articles, blogs. Be careful what you read there, right, online. Uh, many of them don't fall in line with the word of God, but some of them are very helpful, right? And put it next to those, to, to those lists, uh, to those items. So for this, when the feeling is coming, this is what I'm going to say. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this. And you got to practice it. Amen? So if you create a strategy, what should you do? You also need to use the strategy. So your strategy must be going for, must be working with you all the time. Friends, your memory, your mind will fail you. Don't think you will remember it all the time. So you need to document it, write it, put it in your pocket. It takes what practice. So one, let's take it again. Remove yourself from the company of people who reinforces the message of victimhood. I mean your PTS. Recognize the feelings when it is coming. Create a strategy to interrupt it when you feel it coming. And use your strategy. So write your thoughts down and analyze them biblically. So those thoughts that come to your mind, you know, I mean, am I supposed to be thinking this way? Am I supposed to be angry at this person? Am I supposed to be hostile at this person? I mean, sometimes we may not be able to uh, clearly articulate and do justice to those words, but in the light of the word of God, are we thinking in the right direction? Well, my time is far spent. So let me give you a few more items. Now, overcoming self-pity, right? Gratitude. The Bible says, let the peace of God control your life and be thankful. Let the peace of God control your life and be thankful. Colossians 3.15 First Thessalonians 5.16-18 tells us that we should rejoice always that it's the will of God for us in Christ Jesus. Right? The Bible says, delight in the Lord right? and it will grant the desires of your heart. What I'm trying to say here is this. When you keep your heart stayed on the Lord, Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3, I believe, he said, it will keep in perfect peace those whose heart is stayed upon him. It will keep in perfect peace those whose heart is stayed upon him. Praise God. So if you choose to live a life of joy, if you choose to live a life of gratitude, you will find that you begin to overcome the bondage of self-pity. Gratitude for the future. Not gratitude for the past to some extent. Gratitude about what God is able to do through you and what God is doing through you. And you also walk in line with God. Just take your steps towards him. Keep getting closer towards him. Keep walking in line with him. You got to do the work. You got to put in the effort. You got to do the work. Amen. Finally, leave on the offensive. I must have given you more than four now, right? Leave on the offensive. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of men. Jesus said, the things that I do shall you also do. The greater things shall you do because I go to the Father. 
Matthew 28, 18 was when Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of men. I think John chapter 14 was when he said, what the works that I do shall you also do. Greater works than this shall you do because I go to the Father. Mark chapter 16, I think verse 20 says, and when, and as the apostles went, the Lord was walking with them, confirming his word with signs and wonders. So if you look at the Bible, we are not supposed to stay in a vegetative state or stay in a place of inertia or be, uh, what's it called? Or be idle. We are supposed to always be on the move. They say a rolling stone does not gather moss. So if you don't learn to be on the move, to, be, to live on the offensive, to be a blessing to people, your past, the weight of your past will encroach on you, will try to overpower you and weigh you down. So you have to learn to live on the offensive. So look out to other people and find ways to serve other people, help people. Amen. And you realize that you begin to develop a supernatural strength on the inside to move forward, to move your life forward as opposed to staying in one position and validating your sense of victimhood. God wants you to become who he created you to be. God wants value out of your life. God wants your life to add value to people. Friends, I know what I'm talking about this morning. This is just the start of the journey for many of us. As many of us may not even get on track until after three or two, six months. Because there's a lot of mental and emotional adjustment we'll need to do before we're even able to create that list. But start it. Set your mind on it. So I promised last week, I'm going to shut down here, so... I promised last week that I was going to say, uh, share something, in, uh, you know, talking about uh, how self-pitying how self-pitying people see themselves. I said I cannot build boundaries with people who are hurting me, including my parents, right? And I said I was going to share something with you guys about something about my dad. So one day, my dad was beating my mom, and myself and my sister tried to get into me in the middle of them and to separate them. We didn't really succeed in things like that. So at night, my father came home. And he said, he called myself and my immediate younger sister. And he said, both of you were beating me in the morning. He didn't say what he was doing, but he said, you were beating me in the morning. And he said, because you guys beat me, that your children will beat you too. My father. So that's, what does that look like? A curse, right? I was saying last week that some parents try to use that weapon of curse to intimidate their children and they control them. Many parents who are living in self-pity and who are demonic in their thinking. I got parents. My father is still alive. My mom is still alive. So I'm not being insensitive. And someone may say, you know what? The Bible says you honor our father and your mother. What does honor mean? Repaying them, being kind towards them, be respectful towards them. But the Bible does not say you should put your life in their hands for them to control you and destroy your life. I've dealt with people who's mentally they are deranged today because they follow the instruction of their parents to marry a person they know they should not marry. Someone heavy mental uh, health, uh, what's it called medication and things like that because of your parents. Are we all right? I'm not saying you should disrespect your parent. I'm not saying you should fight your parent. But don't give your parents the power to destroy your life as an adult. Many parents will do and they will do it again. And in their mind, they believe they know what they are doing and they are very convinced. I was speaking to a father one day. They called me and asked me to help his son about his career and things like that. And I asked him and I said, sir, what does the boy want to study? 
he responded by saying, this is what I want him to do. And I was like, and then the conversation was going to get heated and that's why I pulled myself out of it. Amen. Parents, your children, when they become adults, are not your possession. They are not your property. They are human beings. To want to force a child to do, an adult child to do what you want them to do is to be manipulative, is to be controlling, it's demonic. No parent should go into their child's home, marriage, and try to direct anything. It's not your place. Don't try it. And no man in his right mind should watch his father and his mother come and run the show in his marriage. Any man who does that, who does that is worse than an infidel. is not a believer. Amen. You honor your parents, you love your parents, but you don't allow them to run your life. Respectfully. I think I need to train kids, um, adults, I'm not going to say kids, I mean adults, people in their 30s, 40s, to learn how to have respective conversations with their parents. And I know many parents who will fight you and curse you and threaten to curse you because you don't want to follow their manipulative and demonic instruction. This is real life. So I said to parents last week, I said, if you ever think in your life, in your mind, that because a child will not do what you want them to do, you want to curse them. Trust me, if the child is truly born again, you are in a war and fight with God, and you will be shocked. Then some parents will know that your child, once they are born again, they, don't, they are not yours. They are not yours. You know, I do hear these things, you know, sometimes, you know, some relatives come and tell me that, you know, well, pray against the curse of your father, blah, 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 blah. I'm thinking, me, sit down and start praying against the curse of my father. Really? Do you know what John chapter 1 verse 12 tells me? And some people are angry at their kids today. They say, you know, hmm, if I curse her, if I curse him with the breast of my chest, mama, try it. And that's why I say to every believer, every believer, every child of God, every believer, know your right and privileges in Christ. Any mother or father who threaten to curse you, if you are truly born again, they are coming up into war with God and they should not be surprised when angels of destruction destroy them. I'm talking real stuff, man. So parents got to be very careful. And I'm saying this to young people as well because one day you will grow. And if you don't fix yourself, you may find yourself in this situation. Why should a parent even think of weaponizing cross against their child? Why? And parents and, key and, and children, they remain under the bondage and control of their parents because they don't want to be cursed. I mean, I've spoken to adults, whoops, whoops, who they would tell me, you know, uh, my father, my mother say, you know, be careful because uh, if she because you with because you drank from the breath. <laughs> When you think like that, you're still thinking like you you're still thinking like a people of the kingdom of darkness because that's how they operate. So I'm I'm instructing every child: no adult child should live under the fear of the curse of their parents. Nobody should do that because you are given the devil a power and a hand through your parent to destroy your life, and it shows that you do not know that the greater one lives on the inside of you. 
So if anyone has remained under the bondage of their parent and your life is drying out, it's been destroyed, you, and you, are be, you become a victim because of the fear of being cursed, it's time for you to rise up. Not to fight your parent or be disrespectful, but you get to rise up. So because my father called myself and my sister and said to us, you know, because I know you, and, and cost us in his own mind. So I'll be living like, oh, my, my children will not beat me. Ah, they, they, they cannot. For, for, for starters, I will, I will never raise my hand against my wife for starters. For starters, for starters. Just for starters. For starters. And I think I don't want to say because, because, of, the respect, because of respect for my father. I'm going to raise my home the way my father did. My father gave what he had. The best he had. So if I don't live my life or do things the things, I'm not going to have the kind of results he has. Am I making any sense this morning? Praise God. So that's because I talked about that. Please don't allow the fear of cross, the fear of anything. And if you, if, if, you, if you by any chance, your father or your mother have crushed you, and you think the things going on in your life are the symbols or the signs of the cross in your life, then deliver yourself. John 1, 12, let's read it. So I'm, I'm going to get us going. How, how did you do this um, thing? Let me, can, can, can I have my own thing? Yeah, thank you. You went, uh, oh, thank you. My eyes are super good. John 1, 12, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision of a husband's will, but born of God. So once you, so once you are you listening to someone that you believe in church? So once you become a child of God, once you become a Christian, the levels change. You have the right to break any kind of course or invocation of anybody on you. You're no longer of a natural human descent. See, when you become a believer, what happens in your life to a very much extent is determined by what you allow. Mm-hmm. I will never for any moment. You want to hear the truth? I'll give you more. At my traditional, when we're traveling for my traditional wedding, my father placed a cross on everyone they could contact. contact. He said, all of you that go, none of you will come back alive. Mm-hmm. No, that's what my father said. Are we still alive or not? How many years are we in our marriage now? Nine years plus. A cross without a cross will not stand. My father said, nobody will come back alive. Whatever I went to do, whatever I went into, into battle with, I saw demonic attacks in that place. Where are we now? And when I'm, I, and we have not even, I've never started life yet. I'm still warming up. Do you know how many crosses my father has placed on me? Do you know how many? The greater one lives on the inside of me. The boys, the boys, the which was the demons, who execute whatever cross or any pronouncement anyone makes, I'm a master over them. Because I have authority over demons, over powers. Demons know what I carry. They know me. So somebody makes a negative pronunciation for whatever evil reason on their mind and you are coming to execute me. Are you mad? No, no, no. You saw my house address and you want to enter. And I too will not allow you to enter. Am I all right? When I see the hand of the devil, I cut it. It's been, a good, it's been a great pleasure you know, speaking to you guys this morning as Captain Tunde. Let's bow our heads for prayers. Father, we thank you for this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus.
We thank you for how you bring truth to us to deliver us from the power and the dominion of darkness and the shackles of wicked people. And Lord, we thank you in the name of Jesus for this here so far, how you've helped us, strengthening us, helping us to come out of the manipulations of wicked people. And Lord, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus that more people will come to really discover who they are in Christ Jesus, their rights and privileges. And I just speak healing and deliverance into the life of many people who may be struggling with self-pity and all manner of bondage of enemy in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. For in Jesus' name we pray. Praise God.